Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're so glad you joined us here for the conversation. Our study of the Gospel of Mark is focusing on the busy, productive, and life-changing work of Jesus in action. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Welcome back, friends. Appreciate you joining us again today for another episode of Everyday Truth. We are in Mark chapter number 12 in our Bible uh, today, and beginning at verse number 13, let's talk a little bit more about this final week in Jesus' earthly ministry when it just seems as if things are coming at him from all sides. Uh, Different groups, different uh, people, uh, different philosophies, but all of them unified in their opposition to Jesus. Let's see what happens here in verse number 13, where the Bible says, And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and of the Herodians to catch him in his words. Wow, there's a lot in that one verse. They send unto him. So these religious leaders have just been bested by this parable that Jesus has given them about the vineyard. Remember, we talked about that over the last couple of days. Well, now they send kind of some of their students, some of the Pharisees, some of the Herodians, to to trip up Jesus, to catch him in his words, to make him contradict himself. This is their game. Now, we know who the Pharisees are. The word Pharisee literally means a separated one. And the Pharisees were they that put the strictest applications on the already strict Old Testament law. And then the Herodians. The Herodians were more of a political class of people. The Herodians were they who supported the the reign of the Herods. So Herod the Great was the ruler during when Jesus was born. Remember, Herod the Great wanted to kill Jesus. Uh, Bethlehem, the two years old and younger, remember that whole thing? Well, when Herod died, uh, he had he divide, his kingdom was divided. The, the people in Rome for whom Herod worked, Herod was, was like a vassal king over uh, Israel at that time. And so in Rome, they allowed the Herod's, the children, to continue to rule in all the areas of Israel except for Jerusalem. Uh, that was ruled by a Roman procurator. So at this time, it was Pontius Pilate. Later on during Paul's day, people like Felix and Festus, these were Roman procurators, not related to Herod, but the Herod, Herod did have children that reigned in Israel. For instance, Herod Antipas was the one that was ruling over the region of Galilee, where Jesus was from, and Perea. And it was Herod Antipas that had John the Baptist put to death, or Herod Philip, who was ruling up in the area of Caesarea Philippi. And his children later on, Herod Agrippa the first, and Herod Agrippa the second. Agrippa the first was the one that died in Acts chapter 12. Agrippa the second was the one that visited Paul when he was uh, imprisoned in Caesarea, and the one that said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. It's it's a confusing thing. If you studied Herod's family tree, it's, it's crazy. The point is that the Herodians were supporting the Herods because it was kind of at least— it's not Rome. 
At least we have a little bit of identity as a people. So they were nationalists. They were politicians. So the Pharisees, who are very, very strict religiously, and these Herodians that are very, very connected uh, politically, and both of them trying to get Jesus to trip up in his words. They, they want to alienate him from either the people who are highly religious and want Rome to be gone, or they want to alienate him against Rome. So Rome, obviously, say something against Rome and you're going to get yourself executed. So they view it as Jesus has to walk this fine line because if he identifies with Rome, excuse me, if he identifies with Rome, then he's going to alienate himself among the people. But if he identifies with the people as a Messiah and as a kind of an insurrectionist, then he's going to alienate himself against Rome. So we're going to catch him. We're going to catch him. They were devious. And watch what happens in verse number 14. And when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know that thou art true. Now, they're lying through their, through their teeth. How do we know that? Because the Bible just told us that their, their whole purpose is to catch him in his words. So they're saying nice things that they don't really believe about Jesus. That's what flattery is. Flattery is saying things for manipulation's benefit. So the Bible says, we know that thou art true and carest for no man. What that means in the old English is you don't have any respective persons. You don't put anybody higher or lower than anybody else. Here's what we know about you, Jesus. You are honest and you are impartial. I mean, they're just buttering him up. And the Bible says, for thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. So after they butter him up by tell, telling him that he's honest and impartial, now they ask their question, their devious question intended to trip him up. Here's the question. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Should we be paying taxes to Rome? Yes or no? I mean, is that in concert with what God wants? I mean, we know that you're going to give us the right answer. We know that you are not afraid of the people or of Rome to tell us the truth. So tell us. So they think they have won. They think that they have put Jesus into a no-win situation because they think if he says, yes, we should pay taxes, well, then the people are going to say, okay, he's just a kiss up to Rome and he's not really the Messiah. He doesn't support us. Or if they, he says, we shouldn't pay ta we should uh, we shouldn't pay taxes, there we go, then Rome is going to make him th their target because he's an insurrectionist. He's leading people away from being faithful to the Roman government. So Jesus is in a no-win situation, or so they thought. Look at how Jesus answers. I love this. Verse number 15, shall we give, so this is the follow-up question, is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, here's the answer. Are you ready for this? But he, knowing their hypocrisy. So they weren't fooling Jesus. Jesus knew exactly what their motivations were. He knew their hypocritical agenda. He knew all about it. And by the way, he knows ours as well. He, he looks not only at what we do and what we say, 
But Jesus knows the why behind it. I love the verse there in Hebrews chapter 4 when it talks about the Word of God being a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the Word of God has the ability to show you things about you that you don't know about you. And it's true about the Lord as well. So here's what happens here in verse number 15. He, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? So he immediately deals with their motivation. And he calls them on the carpet. He says, Why are you tempting me? Why are you trying to catch me up in, in, in my words? Why are you acting hypocritically? I mean, he immediately labels them for the duplicity that they have uh, obviously displayed here. So why tempt ye me? Then he says this. He's still going to answer a question. He, he could have said, you guys are not asking for the right reason. I'm not going to answer your question. But he does answer their question. He says, bring me a penny that I may see it. So bring me a denarius, bring me a Greek-Roman coin, bring that to me, which is interesting because in the temple itself, uh, that coinage would not be in the temple. That that coinage would be uh, exchanged with the money changers because you could only use Jewish coinage, shekels, in the temple. So bring me a Roman coin, and they brought it, and he saith unto them, Whose is this image and superscription? So he showed them the coin. Well, when you look at a a denarius, you can look this up, by the way. Google this, a a denarius from Jesus' day. You'll see it has a picture of Caesar on it. Some say the son of God. That was a title of Caesar. And so whose image? Whose superscription? Uh, Who's stamped? This is the, the Caesar claimed to be God, the son of God. So whose image is on this? And of course, the answer is easy. They said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. So insofar that governments have a monetary system for the purpose of commerce and economy, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. There, there, there's a certain civil responsibility to set taxation, Uh, roads and fire departments and police departments and infrastructure and so forth. So it's not wrong to pay taxes to one's government, even though the government might use that taxation money in ways that you think are less than moral. The point is we are to honor government and taxes per se are not wrong. So render to Caesar what is Caesar's. In this physical world, in this physical government, participate in uh, by being a good citizen or at least uh, a good occupant, not all of them were citizens, obviously, of Rome, and pay that tax. So this is a Romans 13 thing, that we are to obey them that have the higher power, that, ha- that, that are in rule over us. Uh, not gov- government, human government is not entirely just, but uh, the institution of government is of the Lord. So Jesus said, render to Caesar that which is Caesar, Caesar's, but to God the things that are God's. And many Bible commentators, and I agree with this, believe that when Jesus said, and to God the things that are God's, that he, that he referred to himself. Why? Because the superscription, the image of God, 
communicated to man is Christ, right? He is the express image of his person. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter one, and he is the logos. He is the word revealed and manifest dwelling among us. John chapter one and verse 14. So the coin has the superscription and the image of Caesar, but Jesus has the superscription, the image of God. Surrender to Caesar what is Caesar's, render to God what is God's as you look at me. So what a masterful answer. There is, this is a false dichotomy. Uh, there, there is no, they can both be true. You can both be a good citizen and a good Christian. You can both be a citizen of Rome and a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, where one authority comes in conflict with another authority, we ought to obey God rather than man, obey the higher power. But the point that he made about taxation is not a mutually exclusive thing. You can pay taxes and you can also honor God and do his will. Look at verse number 17, and they marveled at him. I mean, they were just amazed at that answer. Why? Because it dealt with the question, even though the question itself was duplicitous, it gave an answer and he wasn't tripped up in his words. Nobody could accuse him of siding with Rome against the people of God, nor could they uh, Rome accuse him of siding with the people of God against Rome. No, it was a perfect admixture of these two concepts and Jesus masterfully answered the question. So we're going to look at another example uh, next episode because it seems like every disparate group is coming and attacking Jesus. We'll see the next group next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. Until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.